having seen something of the wonders of the structure of the Bible, we now ask, what do we know about the claims of the Bible? We have surveyed the structural makeup of the wonder book of the human race, the Bible, that some 38 authors could collaborate in producing 66 books of such unity that they can be closely associated within the covers of one book is indeed wonderful. But as we look further into the writings of these men, we are astonished at the boldness of their claims. They do not write apologetically, nor do they appeal for an audience of readers. They did not write as men who were half made up in their minds and were hoping to be more fully persuaded as their writings progressed. They bluntly said, Thus saith the Lord, and the like. Even though all men should reject their writings, still the great God was on their side. How could they fall in defeat? How can we compare a book which makes the blunt claim to be an authoritative message from God more than 1,500 times in the Old Testament alone with any other book? The Bible is truly unique in its position among other books. Let us read some of these unusual claims that have been made. First of all, Moses, the great cultured lawgiver, who was trained for 40 years in all the culture of Egypt, then spent 40 years in the quiet of a shepherd's life in meditation with God. He went forth into public leadership during his last 40 years to leave his impression upon the whole world. Moses claimed to speak as the mouthpiece of God, uttering words of authority for all to regard. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 18, he utters an expression of how we are to regard the words of God. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3, Moses speaks about an invitation he had to have a special interview with God. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. And in chapter 20, in verse 1, we have the record of what was told him. And God spake all these words, saying, and then went on to enumerate the great giving of the law. In the 24th chapter of Exodus and verse 18, we read that Moses had spent 40 days with God on the mountain. And Moses went into the midst of a cloud and got him up into the mountain. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. What an amazing relationship he had to God. In the 32nd chapter of Exodus, we find Moses uh, carrying down these tablets of stone, which were written by the finger of God, we're told. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand, and the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other, 
were they written, and the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. No wonder an amazing impression of authority was put upon his mind. As he came down from the mountain and saw the great sin of the children of Israel, he in righteous indignation broke these tablets. And in due time, God invited him to come up again unto the mountain for another session of 40 days and 40 nights, as we read in the 34th chapter of Exodus and verses 28 and 29. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass, when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in Moses' hands, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. And so during this prolonged stay by the superintending power of God, his face took on a brilliance. No wonder we read in the first chapter of Leviticus and on for 54 times in this short book of 27 chapters, these words that God had spoken unto him and he had been sent for to declare authoritatively the tremendous issues that God had set forth. And the Lord called unto Moses, he wrote, and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, and so forth. Shall we wonder that Moses spoke with authority? Shall we give heed with reverence to these tremendous things? David declared in the 12th Psalm, in a happy state of mind, what the manifestations of God had meant to him. And in verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. And in the 119th Psalm, verses 11 and 12, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. And in the second book of Samuel, and verses 1 and 2 of the 23rd chapter, we have this declaration. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. And so we have these tremendous acknowledgments. The great prophet Isaiah who saw so many tremendous visions concerning the coming Savior in particular, wrote in his first chapter and verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. And in the 59th chapter of Isaiah, verse 21, we read, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord from henceforth and forever, 
So Isaiah declared that he spoke with the authority of God and represented the truth of the living God. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, sent forth with a great burden for the people, declared in great humility how his feebleness seemed to make impossible the speaking of the Lord through him. But God in, gave him great assurance as he recorded in the first chapter, verses 4 to 8, and sent him forth with authority. And in the 30th chapter of Jeremiah, and verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. And so repeatedly through this 30th chapter, we have Jeremiah asserting his divine authority. Also in the 36th chapter, he speaks forth of the great authority that God had given him. Coming to the New Testament, we find our blessed Lord in the Garden of Temptation, uttering these words in Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here he is attributing the authority of the Old Testament. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, verse 18, he asserts that even the minute markings of Scripture shall not fail. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. In the 22nd chapter of Matthew, our Lord is admonishing the folk for not giving attention to the Scriptures as they ought to. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. As our Lord walked along the road to Emmaus after his resurrection, he met two very discouraged disciples and rebuked them in all kindness and told them that they should have received all that the prophets had spoken, giving his authority to the Old Testament. Matthew in his first chapter and verse 22 goes back to Isaiah and refers to what he spoke concerning Christ. Peter affirms that God had spoken in a wonderful way, as in the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 21, whom the heavens must receive until the times of the restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Here's an assertion that God had revealed himself through the prophets of the Old Testament and particularly in the second epistle of Peter, chapter 1 and verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Here Peter asserts the authority of the Old Testament prophets, having spoken forth by divine inspiration. Stephen, in his great sermon, spoke about the living oracles, in the seventh chapter of Acts, in verse 38. But the great apostle Paul, in the first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 2, and verses 12 and 13, asserts that the very words of Scripture are inspired. And of course, he's referring to the New Testament now. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, 
that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here are words that the apostles said the Holy Spirit of God taught him, and therefore men were to regard them not as his own, but as coming forth from the very presence of God. And we close our reading with that great verse in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Shall we heed these tremendous claims of the authors of the Bible and go forth with a great desire to examine into these momentous revelations from God. Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee indeed for the profound claims that men have made as they sat down to write the living oracles of God. How we thank Thee for the forcefulness of their convictions that Thou, our great God, did make known Thy will and Thy truth to them and help them by inspiration to write them down for our learning. May we give great heed to thy living word, search it out, find the way of salvation, repent of our sins, exercise faith in the suffering Christ, find forgiveness and mercy, and go forth to serve thee with newness of life. In Jesus' name our Savior, amen.